It's the Locked on Canes podcast where it's all about the U. I'm one of your hosts, Fred Purdue. I'm joined by my co-host, Cam Underwood. What's going on, Cam? Another bye week lot, day. man. Say what now? Another great bye week day. Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit rainy here in South Florida. So, uh, you know, I had to bundle up nice and tight with a hoodie when I went outside just a little <laughs> bit earlier ago because uh, it was only 72 degrees with rain. So, oh, yeah, oh you know, that's ugly it's, I know, it's, down it's, there. <laughs> oh, boy, it's tough. It's, yeah, it's real tough. But, you know, yeah, another day in the bye week. So, you know, we just kind of keep chilling. Yeah, in the Tampa Bay area, man, it's um, it's a, it was a nice crisp fifty five this morning, and I mean, I was uh, I had to pull out the track jacket, of course, but um, you know, it it was great football weather this morning, and, and quite honestly, we're gonna talk a little bit of football here with you guys. So we're gonna before we jump into what what we call where we go from here, where we'll kind of talk about our. Uh, future opponents that Miami has. We'll talk a little FIU, where a former Miami Hurricane head coach resides. He, uh, I have, I have a little disdain for him still, but I've kind of let it go. Um, Interesting. Yeah, and then there's a uh, Duke where you have David Cutcliffe and uh, those blue, Duke Blue Devils, and then we have a bit of a you have a bit of a soapbox to kind of jump on. It, so it's not a soapbox per se, but there was a conversation that I saw that I want to touch on. Okay, so we'll we'll touch on that on another opponent that could potentially be down the road. Don't uh, give it away. No, Don't give it away. No, not a lot. Not a lot. Just a little bit. Just a little tease. Just a little tease. But before we jump into everything, make sure you go follow us on Twitter at Locked On Canes. You can follow myself on Twitter at Fred Purdue CFB, and you can find Cam over here at Underwood Sports on Twitter. Make sure you leave us your questions. We're still, even though it's not a game day on Friday, we're still going to answer your questions on the uh, the Friday mailbag. So make sure you leave. Leave us your questions, your comments uh, at, with the hashtag Locked on Canes. We will be definitely answering those. That'll be a good, nice little time where we can connect with you guys. So let's now that we've gotten the house cleaning out of the way, let's let's jump into these to these these teams that we have going forward. And we'll start with one FIU, which will be played in the Marlins Stadium, which was Marlins Park, Marlins Park, which was the original Orange Bowl. And it's that's hollow ground. That's sacred hollow ground for our Miami Hurricanes. And this, and then it, what makes it even better? There's a former Miami head coach that have we not learned, guys? Don't leave the school that's really good for you just to go to a team that might have the same colors as you in the NFL, but definitely not the same reputation. Well, one of the same colors, but you know Miami doesn't have Doo Doo Brown as their second. This is color. true. This is true. So you know there is that, but. Yeah, you know, just just right off the top, it is going to be a trip down memory lane for everybody uh, on this, you know, well, not this week, but next week, Saturday, when we, uh, you know, make our way down to Marlins Park because that stadium stands on the place, in the place where the Orange Bowl once stood. And, you know, all of us who are Miami fans, you know, or alums, I'm not going to really, you know, delineate there, but, you know, you have such great memories. And there's even, you know, Super Bowls that were played there at the Orange Bowl and, you know, things like that. It's just such a... It was such a wonderful location, and it's not there anymore. Just, I'm not even going to get into that. But anyways, so, you know, when people are making their way downtown, walking fast, uh, they're going to... I see just, what you yeah, did there. Gonna, I see what you yeah, did there. Yeah, 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 you did. Uh, but, you know, it's just going to it's gonna be a trip down memory lane because, I mean, like, you know, you can go see my homeboy Guillermo, whose yard we used to park in, uh, and that's literally his name. I'm not making it up. Like, he lived right there off of 16th. So uh, when I was in college, we uh, took my buddy's uh, Xterra, and we parked there in the front yard every time. You know, $20 no blocky. You know, all that kind of stuff. So you're over there. It's just going to be in the in – the, 
you know, right on the edge of Little Havana there, just in the community back uh, in that kind of space. So, you know, the tailgating obviously is going to be a little bit different just because there's not exterior lots uh, in the way that there were when the Orange Bowl was mm-hmm. there. But, yeah, man, you know, it's just going to be just such a good trip down memory lane uh just to be in that place uh, for that game. Obviously, Marlins Park is a little bit different, and the seating arrangement is obviously different than the Orange Bowl was uh, in terms of the fact that there's like less than half as many seats, and you're not even going to use all of those seats for a football game uh, in that stadium. But, yeah, you know, it's uh, it'll be interesting, and obviously the storylines that you want to touch on, like, you know, your boy Butch Davis is over there at FIU as head coach because, no, Miami did not hire him uh, the last couple of times that we've had the job open. Um, and before you get onto your rant, so I was a freshman in 2000, so his last year at Miami uh, was my first year, and everybody heard the rumors, maybe he was going to the NFL, yada, yada, yada. One of my buddies, Matt Carter, uh, if you remember, he's the one who took over the number 11 after Ken Dorsey. Mm-hmm. We had a class together. So we're walking across campus, and it's like, oh, yeah, you know, we just had a meeting with Coach, like, yesterday, whatever, whatever. And then all of a sudden you see these, these green streaks running across campus. And they were the athletic uh, undergrad aides sprinting to go get every football player. Like, as we're going to our class. So I'm walking with Matt, and this kid comes running up. He goes, yo, we got a team meeting right now. He's like, no, I got a, we had a test that day. He's like, yo, like, this is what, he's like, no, 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 team meeting right now. <laughs> he's like, okay. And that was the day that Butch Davis told the team that he was leaving. So, like, I wasn't in the meeting, but I was next you, to somebody you're, who you're got called. You were close enough meeting. to it. You know what I mean? So uh, that was really my memory. I never really interacted with Butch Davis personally. Um, but, yeah, that was kind of my, uh, my thought on it. But uh, as you have alluded to a couple of times, you have very strong thoughts on the topic. So, Fred, I'm going to step out the way. And the soapbox to begin today's episode is yours, my friend. Okay, so I have a beef with all head coaches in, at the college level that decide I'm going to leave whatever state university or whatever school you want to call, say it is, uh, and move on to the NFL and have zero awareness of the school of the team that you're about to take over. You can go from having the best team in college football. You could have Alabama. It could be Nick Saban now. If Nick Saban went to the NFL now, I'd call him a fool. Simply put, you're the most you're the highest paid play, uh, highest paid person in your state state official. Not only that, you get 25 draft picks every single year, first round draft picks essentially. And you decide, I'm going to move on to the NFL where there's very much a lot of uncertainty. You're dealing with the personalities of those same individuals that you're now before you could hold things over their head. I'm talking from the the, the GM and head coaches perspective, not the player perspective. I have all of these advantages. I have all the control to now I have very little control. And you take over a team like the. I don't even refer to them. The other, the team in Ohio. That's I don't even refer to the Browns because that's not the Browns. Those are some. That's another franchise that decided we're just gonna park our team right here. And it could be any franchise, but Butch, you could have. You had something good. It's like you know, it's like that girlfriend that leaves you for something that she thinks is better, but it's really not. She gets you know. He, the guy walks over, just cheats on her and does all these other things that he shouldn't be doing. And then he wants to say, oh, it's your fault. 
that's kind of what I see when I when that happened. My heart was as a as a young kid. I was probably about in 2000. I was about 11 years old when this happened. I have been a diehard Miami Hurricane fan since about five. So that's all I've ever known. So to see this when Butch Davis left, I was hurt. That's that's that was my head coach because that was at the time, of course, when you're really understanding what being a hurricane is what what that team meant you know i i never considered being a gator i never considered being a florida state seminal of course I, I never considered any of these things so it was always i'm going to be a miami hurricane fan as a i said then my kids at some point will be miami hurricane fans i could never live in a house divided that's how we're in this we're all the way in this you know that was those are things that were that mattered. So, seeing all the how the team building was, seeing what he did then, he did something really great, and then he went and messed it up. There would be, in my honest opinion, there would be no Nick Saban, and Alabama and this dynasty that you see now that doesn't exist if Butch if Butch Davis was there at Miami, he decided to stay. Can I can I ask you a question? What's that? So, what about what consideration do you give then to the desire to have upward mobility? Because you know, even if you are really great at this level, you want to try at the highest level. You know what I mean? So, like Butch Davis brought back Miami. You know, he recruited all the guys. He set that 2001 team. He put that team together. You know, you and I. I mean, you at 11 years old could have coached that team to a national championship. Of course, let's be honest. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but like Butch Davis. Yeah, he left a year before he actually got his ring in college. But there was pretty much nothing left for him to prove at this level. So, like, you know, so, like, I just want to know, like, for you, where does, like, proving yourself at the college level and then endeavoring to prove yourself at the college level, where does that come into your personal consideration to your feelings? For me, I treat that almost like a draft, a, a prospective draft pick, right? And he's going to be the number one overall pick. Let's say my name is Andrew Luck. We'll just go with that one because that was the most, that one fits this situation. Andrew Luck had an opportunity to go to the NFL as the number one overall pick. It was for the most part, it was unquestioned that he would be the number one guy. I don't care about RG three. I don't. I never believed he'd be number one. So he could stay as a a true a redshirt junior. He could have stayed in school and stayed at Stanford, or he could have come out. Had he stayed, you never know what the option is going forward. But you know what you have in front of you. You have the Washington team and the Indianapolis Colts. Neither team really that good. I can choose to come back and maybe something better happens. Very much the same concept. When it comes to head coaches in college and even assistants that move up to the NFL level and say, I want to be an NFL head coach, you can't tell me. No one else is around you to tell you that that Browns team has a bad ownership, has bad ownership. They have a have a um, they have a tradition of losing. They have not, they don't have the roster around them to actually help you. And your owner is the one that has a lot, a big hand in 
drafting your players. See, in college, you get to you get to go to the. I, I equated like you said, like you said, you're a really you like to cook. Well, when you cook, you go to the store, you buy the groceries, you cook the food, so you are in complete control. Well, when you get to the NFL, there it doesn't really work like that unless your your name is probably Bill Belichick or John Harbaugh at this point in this time and point, or if you even in the past, uh, Bill Walsh. That's when you have that kind of control. But as a new head coach, you don't have that control. And your GM and head coach, or you know, your GM and your owner, are the guys that control things. And I just feel like when these coaches. Even now, they have zero awareness. It's just, I'm going to the NFL. I'm going to put my ring in, my hat in the ring and say, let the chips fall where they may. Well, I mean, but some people want that challenge. You know what I mean? And I, I get that, obviously, that's not your viewpoint. But, I mean, look, you, you're going to have – people are going to get opportunities. And at the NFL level, obviously, you're not going to fire somebody who's winning to go get, like, a new coach. You know, so, you know, if you are – like your favorite team, Bill Belichick and the Patriots, you're not firing him to get Joe Brady from LSU to no, be the head coach. Of course, of course. That's not happening. So, like, there's going to be maybe a dearth of talent or, you know, maybe some uh, a little bit of a mismatch between the coach and the front office. But you obviously go through an interview process where you try to align those things or find a spot that does, that is the best for you. But, mm-hmm. I mean, look, I, I'm not saying that you're wrong. I just am saying that I don't share your emotion about the Butch Davis thing, but I don't have to. So, hey, you know, uh, like I said, I started the hashtag let's be jerks years ago uh, from State of the U. So (laughs) if that's what you want to do regarding your feelings for Butch uh, Davis, by all means, I will be far from the first person to, you know, try to inhibit you and your feelings because that's just not what I do. And see, for me also, there's two sides to it because I didn't want him back. And I think that's what many Canes fans wanted is yes, they, 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 want, they want the nostalgia, but it's never the same the second time around. You can relate it to business, relationships. You, it's never the same. You never recapture that magic the second time around. Who's the only one that you can think of in the last 15 years where it's been anywhere near the same? Because I have one at the top of my brain. Ooh. Bobby Petrino at Louisville. Yes, Bobby Petrino at Louisville. And that was and short-lived. And it was short-lived. Uh, exactly. Right. It was like a year and a half because he had Lamar Jackson. And mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson was on the bench. And all of a sudden, he's like, eh, let me put this kid in. And then he became exactly. the Lamar Jackson experience. Right. And for that little bit of time, because obviously it tanked after Lamar Jackson left mm-hmm. because there were, you know, holes in that program that got covered because mm-hmm. of this generational talent. Mm-hmm. But outside of him... There is not necessarily a person where you went back to where you previously were and it was as good as it was that first time. So all that is to say, then now with that being the case and Butch being at FIU and your emotions about hating that he left. And look, I get that. I I agree with you that Miami would have a couple more national championships probably if Butch Davis would have stayed, but he didn't. So now he's coaching over FIU. What do you think they present is a – problem for Miami next week when we play them. What does FIU present? Uh, just the, the under it's football is not only a physical game, but it's a mental game. And the one thing he brings to them is simply the understanding of the mindset of the players that are being recruited now while the schemes are different. Football's still the same game. And understanding the mental side of it, the psychology of the player, 
and the psychology of the coaching staff that's going to be on the opposite sideline, I think he's going to have a mental advantage, not necessarily a physical advantage. I think uh, I think they're going to be very much very much outmatched. I think Miami is going to come out and have that. And I'm not going to go. We're not. I don't want to get too deep into it because we still have a whole thing next week to talk about. But you know, I think Miami's going to come out trying to the fans, the players. They're trying to play for. They're chasing ghosts. You know, they're trying to the players are going to want to live up to a standard that the former Canes that played in this hollow space, this this sacred space. Mm-hmm. They're trying to they're uh, Jaron Williams is going to want to make Ken Dorsey happy. Um, DJ Dallas, he's going to want to make Clinton Portis, uh, Willis McGahee, Frank Gore. He's going to want to make those guys smile. Um, you know, for me, that's the one thing. Uh, and of course, of course, um, Gervin Hall is going to want to knock everything around, like the and make that number that he has on really just look just really look down on him and say, "That's my boy," you know. Whoever wears that twenty six, so right. you know those are the things, and and I think you can take advantage of that because the emotion is in it. Once that that high comes off, you have to really play football, and if they hit you in the mouth early, mm, for about a quarter, it could make it could be a little scary. No, I agree with you, and I mean it's the same thing that we talk about with a Florida State or a Florida. There's so many guys from South Florida and the Miami area specifically. Uh, on the FIU team because that's, you know, where they're located over uh, on Kyocho and everything. Um, you know, so they played with and against so many guys from the University of Miami's football team when they were coming up through Optimist and high school and things like that. So I agree with you that it's probably going to be uh, just that emotion, that chip on their shoulder for, oh, you know, Maurice Alexander, who, you know, is a 5'11 quarterback, and now he's finally a wide receiver. He switched as a senior. Oh, Miami did not recruit me, even though I was the Dade County passing leader as a senior in high school. I want to make a play. You know, you have uh, Anthony Jones, who's a senior running back, who's Dalvin Cook's younger brother. Like, oh, you know, my brother beat Miami up and down the field when he was at Florida State for three years. You know, they recruited me half-heartedly, uh, but then I didn't even end up going there. So I'm trying to show up, uh, you know, show out and put on for the city and, you know, everything against UM. So I think that we agree on that, that it's really that emotional kind of component is the thing that might be a challenge just because you come out with high emotions early uh, in the game. But like you said, Miami is the more talented team. Uh, they just really have to do what they've been doing focus on themselves, alignment, assignment, technique, and just execute their plays. And, you know, in short order, it should become uh, a pretty sizable uh, margin of victory. Yeah, that was the only thing that really would bother me. I don't think the whole, you know, 2007, it seems like a blur now. It's been so long. But I don't think there's going to be a fight in the middle of the field or anything like that. And if there was, they don't want it because we beat them already. They're going to (laughs) come over here and get beat again. Now what? Yeah, I said it. Oh, I said it. Shots yep. fired. Go, go hit him up on Twitter, FIU Faithful. Please, I don't want any of that smoke. Hey, come with it. Look, <laughs> every time that somebody stepped and actually wanted these hands, they it's just like, uh, what was that, the Nutty Professor? You're going to walk on over and limp on back? Ooh. Ask Alex Brown about the Bourbon Street Brawl because I think he still has that knot on his eye. Ooh. Like, you know, hey, come on now. Like, you, FIU, y'all don't want the smoke. I'm telling you. So just play the game. Don't be dirty. Don't try anything. Because if you do, and actually, 
you know, Manny Diaz probably is going to legislate that and coach that out of his team. You know, everybody go find the sideline. We're going to do the, the high school box drill for, you know, if there's a, uh, something like that that happens where, uh, you know, the other team takes, uh, you know, dirty shots. But if we were to let these hands go, oh, it would be, you know, that crispy two-piece Ooh. combo that uh, FIU, that, that new Popeyes, FIU don't want it. You don't want it. I, I've heard, I've heard, and I, I've, I will definitely stay away. I've seen too many, too many horror stories. So we have FIU to start with, and now we we have another. We have one last ACC game. You have the uh, Duke Blue Devils. So we'll kind of talk about them in a sec. All right. So you have the blue, the Duke Blue Devils, where uh, last year they had a. Uh, allegedly, I still haven't seen him. I don't think he exists, but they said they had a really good quarterback in Daniel Jones. I don't. Uh, whatever. We're not going to go. We're not extra regular. But whatever. <laughs> yeah. You can you tell the displeasure? I'm a quarterback guy, and I hate when guys are pushed up draft boards and talked about like they're great. Justin Herbert, you suck. Anyway. Um, wow. That, yeah. Um, so yeah, we have the Duke Blue Devils who are now Daniel Jonesless. They are not a great team now. Uh, the last time I they, they graced my TV, Alabama pretty much said after about a good quarter, um, we're Alabama and we're gonna kick you in the face. So a lot of the same things are happening. Yeah, they got a nice win over Virginia Tech. Cool, that's great, but. This team, I just feel like they're going to get they, – you spoke of FIU getting these hands. I think Duke is going to get these hands. And what they do on offense is very similar to what um, Louisville does on offense just without the speed. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, Duke has had an uneven season, uh, you know, coming into the year. They're uh, – well, into this week, they've lost three in a row. They're four and five, two and three in the ACC. Um uh, Fresh off of getting their doors blown off by uh, Notre Dame last weekend, um, yeah, you know it's just been uh, like they they beat Georgia Tech, who I know Miami did not, but whatever, um, and they blew out Virginia Tech, who Miami also lost to. But everybody that Miami's beaten, uh, well Virginia and Pittsburgh uh, has beaten Duke, and then uh, North Carolina also, so that's a common loss. But they're not, they don't really do anything special to me. Um, you know, you beat a couple of bad teams and, or, you know, lower division teams in North Carolina A&T and Middle Tennessee State. Um, but, like, yeah, they don't really engender any source of fear in me. Uh, and I'm not a person who fears opponents. I always say you respect all opponents and fear none. But, mm-hmm. you know, even when we played Florida, I said, you know, I might respect them and not fear them, but Kadarius Tony scares me because of his speed. Oh, yes, he does. he does. You know what I mean? And, like, I was honest with that. There ain't nobody on Duke's team that really scares me. And also, as well, in addition, we get to relive the return yet again. <laughs> so if, you, if you've forgotten, and I don't know how you Oh, have, I've haven't forgotten. When Miami went up there in 2015, this is one week after getting our doors blown off by Clemson 58 to nothing, and then firing Al Golden. 
Uh, that was the week that that was the uh, best day of Mike Kane's life in the in the last decade, at least. It was it was well. I mean, look, I think that uh, Virginia Tech and Notre Dame usurped that in 2017. Yes, for yes, me. yes. But yeah, 2015. That was unfortunately the week that Artie Burns' mother passed away. Uh, went on the road there to Duke. Uh, the officials called an ACC record 23 penalties on Miami that nobody wants to talk about. Uh, Thomas Sirk had a QB sneak that did not get into the end zone but was called a touchdown. And then Cornelder had a kick return on the ensuing squib kick uh, after eight laterals and uh, won the game with zero point zero zero left on the clock and in the course of that David Njoku had my spirit animal the biggest crack bag block I think I've ever seen in my yeah. life um, <laughs> yeah. so yeah I will be posting that we will be writing about that at State of the Year I'm sure that we will recount all of that we might actually I just thought of some content for this podcast we'll talk off the air but we're going to do something Uh-oh. else with that so it's going to be great good glorious and wonderful just to rub it in their face again because like Duke is actually regular. Miami should close them out uh, to in the regular season at eight and four. But obviously, you know, FIU is before that, and we have to trust the process. And uh, well, oops, sorry, uh, we have to be committed to our uh, pursuit of excellence in every snap along that way. But yeah, that's uh, where we're going to end the regular season. So that'll be, I don't know, if fun is the right word, but noteworthy if nothing else. I, I'm thinking with a 66th overall scoring defense uh, in the country out of a whole hundred and thirty. I think seven touchdowns will do. Can we do that? Can, can that be possible? I mean, they are the bomb squad of bomb squads. And well, I mean, that, who's, who's the bomb squad? Duke. I mean, 66 is not terrible. In the, I mean, we've seen worse. Yeah, we've seen worse last week. But <laughs> right, yeah. But I think that'll be a nice way to put a bow on a season that really could have been much worse. Um. Or much better. Oh, much better. Whichever way you want to. Which, I, right. yeah, yeah. yeah, whichever way you want to fill your glass. I mean, or empty. Exactly. But, you know, for me, when I look at this team, I'm saying to myself, they're going to be run heavy. And that the, the numbers tell me that. You know, their leading passer is 1,600 yards and 14 touchdowns. He's a turnover machine. He's at, He has eight picks. By the time it's all said and done, we'll be saying he'll probably at least throw one more. So you're virtually throwing a pick almost every other game. Um, well, almost every game. Almost every game. Actually, yeah, almost every game. Yeah, because he's eight picks in nine games because yeah. they still got three left. Yeah, yeah. When it's all said and done, you could be. That's a turnover machine for a running, a run-heavy team. You don't have a great running game. Um, your leading rusher for the year is averaging 3.9 yards a carry. Your second leading and third leading rushers are averaging 3.8. So neither one are really – that's indicative of your offensive line. And I don't want to get too far into this because that's a whole other show for two weeks from now. But I feel Gregory Russo could have that one game where he gets that record. That well, would we'll be see nice. because the number two run, uh, runner on the team is the quarterback. This is true. So – you know, maybe that might mitigate a little bit of that, uh, you know, element to the offense. But yeah, man, you know, it. We'll we'll see. I just saw uh, the SP plus uh, Bill Connolly's proprietary uh, advanced stats. It says the Miami have or that Miami has a sixty five percent chance of going eight and four. So that's like eighty four percent chance of winning against FIU, and then. Like, you know, kind of round that up uh, because it's a compounding uh, kind of number. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, so basically a two-thirds chance to go eight and four, so win these last two games after the bye. I would like that to be higher, but that's still pretty good. Um, and, again, you know, we're probably going to get Brevin Jordan, the best tight end in America. Best tight end in America. Best you. tight end. Uh, 
Exactly. So you can get him back off an of injury, uh, another week of development for pretty much everybody, just uh, really, uh, d uh, you know, another week of development, getting uh, more seasoned in their roles, although it's the end of the year, so they should be uh, with that also uh, already. So we'll see. But, yeah, I mean, I guess that I'm sounding like cocky Miami fan again. But if Miami plays the way that we have been, and this is what we've seen the last two and three weeks, this was the Miami team everybody expected to see. Exactly. And if, if you play like this consistently, I don't see anything from FIU or Duke that really should present that much of a problem absent a rash of turnovers. I, I honestly think, and this will be my one time I'll be very, very cocky about it. I'll just go all the way in and say I'm expecting about 42 points each game, 35 to 42 points per game. Um, I expect a ton of touchdowns from Jaron Williams, and quite honestly, blow them doors off and stop playing with these two teams. They are inferior to you. Don't play down to them. I expect all of these type of things to happen. We will definitely see, and we will definitely talk about those two teams in more in depth uh, as those two games come about. But you said that earlier in the show that you, we said that you had a bit of a beef with a certain team in the well, ACC on the other with, side. Right. It's not with the team. Uh, it's kind of with some of the conversation, but mm -hmm. I will dive into that on the other side of this break. Manscaped is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code LOCKEDON at manscaped.com. So, we're back, and it's time uh, to talk about the, the elephant in the room, uh, which if you follow me on Twitter, uh, you've kind of seen. And, I mean, quick plug, obviously you know that I'm the managing editor for State of the U, so this happened on the State of the U Twitter account, not my personal Twitter account, which you can follow at the State of the U uh, or Underwood Sports, either one. Anyways, today... I saw somebody come in my mentions on State of the U, and they're talking about, and I was saying what we just said basically in the previous segment, talking about Miami should be 8-4 and four at the end of the regular season, beat FIU, beat Duke, and if that happens and certain other things happen around the ACC Coastal, Miami could, in all good conscience, make it to the ACC Championship game. It's not a high percent chance, but it's there. It's possible. And I said that that's something that I would like to see happen because, you know, that means that we've won the Coastal. And I had people coming into the mentions saying, well, you don't want to do that because, you know, all you're going to do is get blown out by Clemson and that's going to set you back in terms of recruiting and, you know, whatever. And to me, that's just emblematic of a scared mentality. Like, I, there are so many people who said things like that to me, and I stopped reading when they at the first you know five or eight words of the of their tweet to me talking about oh we don't want that. Why not? Honestly, this is year zero for the Manny Diaz era. It has not been or has not been as successful throughout this year because we lost more games than you know maybe we should have, but. You get a free game. Well, first of all, you've won the Coastal Division, which is the goal every year. Is it not? Yeah, it is. It is. Okay, so you've, you've accomplished goal one. It might not have been clean 8-0 through the conference and everything, but you, you accomplished that goal, so there's that. That means you made it to a national showcase game against a potential college football playoff caliber team. And in year zero, the first year of this you know regime, you get to see right now how you measure up. 
And again, if Florida is ranked 10th in the country or 12th in the college football playoff rankings and Clemson's ranked third, look, I'm not saying that we're a prohibitive favorite to go beat Clemson. I'm not saying that it'll probably even be within, I don't know, maybe three touchdowns of Clemson because Clemson are those dudes. But to be the best, you have to beat the best. And at some point, you have to understand what that entails. You have to see where you are so you know where you need to grow. So I don't know. I don't get where people are so scared of getting on the field against Clemson. And look, you might go get your doors blown off. That could very well happen. But they also beat North Carolina by one. A North Carolina team that squeaked out a close victory against Miami. Had no business. No business doing that. But but my point is, if a similarly talented team plays them to a one-point game, why can't that be Miami? Why can it not be a one-possession game going down to the end? All those years against Florida State, when Florida State was great, 2012, 13, 14, and 15, and Miami played, with the exception of 2014, I believe, Every one of those games was a one-possession game between Miami and Florida State. What's saying you don't come up with a game plan? What's saying you don't get a couple turnovers because Trevor Lawrence is or has been showing a penchant to throw the ball to the other team this year? Why are you scared? Yeah, uh, okay, so let's unpack that one because that one's that was a good one. I, I, I love the I love the passion. I really do. Um you embodied everything of a Miami hurricane. Kudos to you, sir. Um, I don't, I don't understand the scared mentality. Um, I've seen it from virtually every level. You're, you're afraid of the name on the, and the logo, not necessarily the, not necessarily the players because this is not Clemson from last year. Hell, this isn't Clemson from the Kelly Bryant era or the the short one that it was or the Deshaun Watson era. Had you said it was the Deshaun Watson era, I might, I might, I, and I, this is a strong might, I might be a little worried, but I've seen Trevor Lawrence a couple times. I've seen him struggle against a Georgia Tech team that had no business, and I will repeat that, no business competing with that team for at least a half. And I've seen I've seen this same Clemson team do it again, lay another egg, like you said, against North Carolina. And this Trevor Lawrence throws a ton of he's a turnover machine lately. Um, well, early in the early year, in the early late. in the year, early in the year, he's been a bit of a turnover machine. Um, yeah, you they haven't really been able to run the ball all that great. Although I picked Travis Atn to win the Heisman. God, I, what was that? What was I thinking? Um, you were so, thinking it was going to be 2018. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. I thought 2018 Clemson, and I didn't expect Joe Burrow to do what he's been doing. But right. rather, that's rather here nor there. That's I see. I see good running back with a quarterback who can can really that can open up things. So that's that's what that was. I see a defense that has one physical freak on defense, and he is a physical freak. Um, Isaiah Simmons. Um, I hate making this comparison because I haven't seen another one of him athletically. Willie Williams, yeah. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. If you don't know who that is, please go back and go into revisionist history. The most disappointing player, but the one of the biggest f- athletic freaks I've ever seen. Um, but you have they have pieces, but I'm not really afraid of this team. 
I think we could score with this team. Their defensive line isn't all that great. I haven't seen them put together four full quarters against a real team, and that's not their fault because they have they they play who's in front of them. But I think if Miami played them, they'd be the be- that would be the best team they'd actually go up against. And I think we give. I I really think that that would be a battle because. Quite honestly, when you're when you have an opportunity after the season that we've had, the roller coaster that we've had, and it has been a roller coaster. But if you if Miami had an opportunity to do it, I think knowing that they had had this opportunity and they worked their their butts off to get where they are, there's a little bit of a different edge you have going into a game like that. And look, Clemson is still very very good. I'm not trying to say that they're not. I'm not trying to say that it would be easy to go beat them because nobody's done it in three years. You know what I mean? Um, it was kind of close with uh, Syracuse for a while, mm-hmm. and then that turned into a blowout. Uh, Texas A&M is a very talented team. Uh, went into Clemson, and uh, it was a two-touchdown game. But still, that's still 24-10. to 10. Uh, Like I said, they went to North Carolina, won by only one point. Look, I'm not saying it would be easy. Life isn't easy. And sometimes the most worthwhile things you have to work for. And I'm not even saying that Miami would win. I would pick Clemson to win this game if Miami were to make it to the ACC championship game. But making it there would be another positive step from a season that, honestly, most of us thought was over, Mm -hmm. over after that fourth loss. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like done and finished. Might not make a bowl game, it looked like at that time. But if you get to eight and four and you get to and get to Charlotte for the ACC championship game, you're playing with house money. All of the guys uh, who have scored touchdowns on offense have the option to return next year. Well, sorry, with the exception of KJ Osborne. But everybody else on offense who has scored or thrown a touchdown has the option to return. Look. This could be a thing where you move to the future. Look, and again, I said it last week. Miami has 74 scholarship players. 51 of them are freshmen and sophomores. You're telling me that the experience of going there wouldn't teach them, show them how much harder we have to work, how much better we mm-hmm. have to be to get there and challenge them, not just for a quarter, not just for a half, but for the game? Sometimes you need that learning experience. And look, if people are coming at me, and they have been all year, saying that the losses to Georgia Tech – who has one ACC win on the year against us, and Virginia Tech saying that those losses are the losses that build character and propel a program forward, how then can you sit here and talk out the other side of your neck and say that Miami should not want to get to the ACC championship game and measure themselves against Clemson? Because, look, at this point in time of both programs, that is the team that you're going up against. They are the measuring stick. So instead of watching Virginia or Virginia Tech or whomever play them, why don't you go there and see what it's like? Because then you can go back into that weight room, onto that practice field, into that indoor practice facility with a different mentality. Beautiful practice facility, by the way. Beautiful. 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 Because it's not hypothetical to you anymore. It is practical. You know how big, strong, and fast they are. You've seen it with your own eyes. You've tried to block them. You've tried to shed those blocks. You've tried to chase down Travis Etienne. you tried to cover all the multitude of receivers that they have. You understand now what they have and what it will take to get to that level. That, to me, would be a motivation. So that's why I say to all of the people who are coming at me today, 
with this scared, defeated mentality of, ah, oh, it's Clemson. And da, da, da. You know that we're the Miami Hurricanes. And everybody used to say that about us. I need you to tap back into that mentality. Because we're not there now. But playing Clemson would, again, be a showcase game in a national game and then probably set you up to be in the Orange Bowl against another national team that you can have a good game against and take another positive step forward. And I know that people are saying the opposite side of this is you win against FIU, you win against Duke, you do not go to the ACC championship game and probably lose to Clemson. And then you win your bowl game and end the year on a five-game win streak. That's fine. I will take that as well. I will take nine and four. I'm not going to like turn that down. But given the chance or given the choice and opportunity, I, me, myself, personally want to see this team play in as many big games as possible. That means go to Charlotte and whatever happens, happens. And then we go from there and we figure it out. Yeah, I've, I'd be more than happy to go to that um, that that ACC title game simply. I want to see what we have. Um Thank you. Send those seniors out. If anything, send those seniors out. Make them feel like they've what they're what they're doing is actually what they've put their blood, sweat, and tears in. And I mean, Shaq and Pink, they already know what it's what that team looks like. They already they they saw that team already, so they know what it takes, and they know the effort, the extra preparation that it'll take to go up against a team like that. So, you know, I'm I would gladly welcome the challenge, only if anything, to see what is in the future. And seeing, like you said, those that abundance of young talent, give them those experiences. Dude, and again, look, everybody, everybody, even the most hardcore Nikosi Perry fan, like myself, is elated with the way that Jaron Williams is playing. But wouldn't you rather Jaron Williams know what it's like to go up against mm-hmm. that kind of a defense and compare them at the end of the year like it was to a healthy Florida defense at the beginning of the year? Mm-hmm. So now he knows what that looks like going forward, has another experience more under his belt. So when he comes back as a redshirt sophomore next year, he's even taken that other step forward in his development. There's so many positives to it, and I get that there are the negatives. I get that, yeah, it could be a perception thing. You get your doors blown off, but look, even if we go up, even if Miami were to go up there and lose by five touchdowns, entirely possible because obviously Clemson is has beaten Miami 93-3 to over the last two times that we played. I get it. But even if you get blown out by five touchdowns, what are you then selling to recruits? What are you selling then to this team? What are you then selling to all the people who want to come here in the transfer portal? Come, develop, help us beat them because we got there in year zero. Now we're setting up what it's going to be like. So they beat this version of the Miami team, but you come down here and we're going to take this version to the next level. Come on, man. That's what you want. Yeah, and we'll definitely see going forward. I think that's going to be one of the things that I'm looking forward to as the season ends. Um, I want to see. I want to. I want to see more, and I just want to see this team play against some really decent competition, regardless if it's the bowl game or uh, hopefully this Clemson team. I think this team has a lot of talent, and it has a chance. Why to not both? Some, why not both? Uh, we. I mean, we did it once. I mean, and I also look at it from the glass half full kind of thing. What college football is weird, and 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 not in a bad way. College football is weird in a way that the craziest of things happen. I've seen it. I mean, whether it's 
Crabtree breaks free, runs up the sideline, knocks off Texas. Whether it's Vince Young scrambling across, scrambling through the end zone, knocking off USC. These are extremes, but they've happened. And it's they say any given Saturday or any given Sunday, but I say any given Saturday. So things can happen, and we'll definitely be able to to kind of marvel at something like that. I want to see it. I know you definitely want to see it. I'm not scared of Clemson. I, I know you're not scared of Clemson. I need them. I need these Hurricane faithful not to be afraid of Clemson because we used to be this, and there's nothing saying we can't be that again. I see a and I think Manny Diaz wants to bring that mentality, that take on any opponent kind of mentality. So uh, we'll definitely see as we go forward I that that soapbox I'm just putting it out there I'm ready to go strap up right now so you know let's go man I mean exactly let's go and you know I I don't teach anymore but when I did and we had a big performance with my choir they knew that they were getting this kind of energy this kind of of hype speech you came uh, did you come from the Ray Lewis school of, 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 of motivation I'm just curious with a degree in motivation just saying <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I don't have a degree in motivation, but, you know, I, I was in team sports my entire life. And, you know, I understand what big moments are. And I've literally performed on some of the largest stages in the world. So this same kind of thing, you know, I, I, I've done and I've practiced and I've, I've said. So, yeah, this same experience I've given, you know. So, like, honestly, do not be scared because there is nothing to be scared of. And... If you want to be the best, you have to go up against and beat the best. And again, I I mean, I know that this is the Miami show, and I know that we're going to wrap up soon. Do you think that LSU was scared of uh, Alabama last week? Do you think that they went in with a heart of fear, even though they had lost eight in a row to them? Do you think that they cowered from the moment? That they, oh, we don't want that, or, oh, we don't want to go play, or, oh, we don't, whatever. No, they didn't. Eventually, you have to own that, and that's what I want Miami to do. And even if Miami were to come up short against Clemson, that is the mentality that I want to have and engender in this program because there's going to come a day in the not-too-distant future when it is Clemson who is looking up at Miami celebrating and dancing after we beat them. You heard that. Uh-oh. Uh, so, so I, I, I'm, again, I'm ready to run through a wall for you, Coach. I, I, got, you. I got you. Let's go. Give me the ball. I'll take it on the one. I'm, if you need three, I'll get you four. I'm just going to call it like it is. But Leroy Horde, open his feet. <laughs> so, you know, we, we as you said, uh, the one thing you don't have to fear is Miami getting this talent. And I think this, this is going to be a time. But, you know, the best way you get – uh, to that is through the the uh, the lifeblood of this sport, which is recruiting, and we'll be talking a lot of recruiting uh, on tomorrow. I have a special guest coming in, one that you may know very well. So make sure you stay tuned to the show. Stay tuned uh, on Twitter. You can follow the show at Locked On Canes. You make sure you send us your questions for this guest, inclu- uh, regarding recruiting. Whoever your favorite recruiting crush is, whether it's Don Chaney or any other any other player that's out there. Uh, floating around that has of course not committed or is committed and you just said I want them to come on what kind of chance do yeah they have? somebody who's flow ting around ooh, see what I did there. Ooh, okay all right so make sure you go leave us those questions with the hashtag locked on canes and we'll make sure we uh we, we get those questions out to you 
uh, out for you to our guests. And make sure you follow myself on Twitter Fred, at FredPurdueCFB. Of course, go go give Cam all the smoke, you FIU fans, you Duke fans, and any and Clemson. If you Clemson fans, if you want to give him that smoke, please. He, he might have those hands for those Twitter hands for you. So leave him. Go ahead and leave all that smoke for him over at Underwood Sports. Uh, but for myself. And and for Cam and the rest of Hurricanes Nation, uh, this is the Locked on Canes podcast. We are out and go Canes.